desire tonight. I see those lyrics. The first person that comes to mind is Mary, who found herself only wanting to be at the feet of Jesus. And let me tell you something. If you truly want to worship the Lord and that's all you want to do, you'll find yourself at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Because nothing else matters in this life. And I want to be in that place and stay in that place to where all I want to do is just love Him. All I want to do is just worship Him. How can you say it that way? It's because you don't know where He's brought me from. And let me tell you something. I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And if you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, you know what I'm talking about. And that desire with inside of me, all I want to do is love Him and worship Him. Because what He has saved me from, how He's been so faithful to me in my life. He's never let me down. How could I not want to worship Him? How could I not want to love Him? In fact, my prayer is, God, let this love that I have for you deepen each and every single day. I want to love you more and more and more and more. Amen. And I can tell you as we go through this life, many times the fire begins to dwindle down. And there are far too many Christians that I'm convinced that the fire that once burned is nothing more but just some coals. But can I tell you that even without the flame, those coals, if they're poked and they're stirred, the flame can be coming back again. Amen. And a lot right now, that's what we need in the church for the coals of the fire to be poked again. That that flame that once burned bright would bright would shine and burn brighter now than ever before. Amen. In these last days, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Spirit. Lord, I pray, God, let that be the prayer and the desire, Lord, of each and every one of us, God, that, Lord, our truest and greatest desire would be just to worship you, to love you, God. And, Lord, I pray that you would stir the coals of our heart, God. Lord, let the fire burn greater now than ever before, Lord. And, God, may we find ourselves, Lord, laying at your feet, Lord, falling in love with you more and more and more, Lord. God, your word tells us that if we'll draw nigh unto you, you will draw nigh unto us, God. Lord, we thank you worthy and Lord we give you all of the praise in Jesus' wonderful name and everyone said amen and amen all I want to do. And amen. Hey, I just want to be getting prepared because that's what we're going to do one day when we step into the portals of glory. Amen. A lot of people may not understand why we shout, carry on, or worship even in just the sweet spirit that's here. But can I tell you that this is just a dress rehearsal for what's going to come one day. Amen. So, uh, why wait till then? Amen. I want to go ahead and get in practice now. Uh, worshiping and praising our Lord. Have your Bibles turn with us to the book of Galatians tonight as we will be Continuing on, last week we did not um, do Galatians as I felt the Lord would take us into a different direction. And I pray that the message that was spoken and prayed um, and was preached last week would continue to burn within your hearts uh, and, and the importance of intercessory prayer. And if, long, and if the Lord does not change me, we are finished up with dealing with uh, over Wednesday nights over the last four months of Romans 5 and 6 of uh, justification by faith and 
defining the sin nature and how it operates and works in our lives and also how to live a victorious life. But I feel very, very burdened by the Lord to do a series and teaching on prayer forever, how many weeks that it may take because I'm telling you, we the church, and when I say the church, those of you that are watching online, it's not just this building, it's the whole church, the body of Christ, that we have got to get back to being a people of prayer. And I know that we say right, and I know that we say yes as a whole collectively, and it is so easy to sit and quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and it is so easy to say we got to get back up on our knees, but talks cheap, actions mean everything, amen? And I am still convinced, and you can tell that the church is still not in the place where the church needs to be, but I believe the Lord is working on the church, and I believe that the events that is going to transpire that I'm convinced of in the upcoming seasons that we're going to have to walk through is going to cause the church to get back. Listen, I want the book of Acts to come alive, amen? But for us to see the book of Acts, we've got to become the people of the book of Acts. I heard a preacher say one time that he was in prayer and asked the Lord and said, Lord, where is the book of Acts? Where is all that we've read about in the book of Acts? Where is that today? And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, where is the people of the book of Acts? And it's not pleasant to hear, and we don't like to admit that, but it's the truth. Because if you read in the Bible, in the book of Acts like that, you will see they were constantly in prayer. And I will tell you that prayer is the flicker that, if you will, that will ignite the fire that we're wanting to fall down. Can I tell you that? That is how important prayer is. And it's more than just God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food, or now I lay me down to sleep. It's not none of that. It's going before the Lord and seeking His face, not so much for what He can do for us, but for who He is. Because we need a move of God now more than ever before. Amen. Not just in this country, but across the entirety of the world. And I want one right here in Yakiville. And my prayer is, Lord, shake this whole city upside down. Amen. And I'm believing that he is going to do it. And so be in prayer with us and tune in with us. If you can't be here on Wednesdays, uh, if you, those of you watching and many of you come on Wednesdays, be with us. Uh, because I believe the Lord's going to do great and mighty things through this series uh, that we will be talking on on prayer amen so Galatians chapter 3 uh, if you're there say amen, amen. we're going to be just reading uh, four verses of scripture tonight uh, 6 through 9 and the Bible says even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness know you therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And I want to preach a message tonight simply for a few moments on the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight again, thanking you for the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, to be able to gather together again in your name. Lord, we thank you for what you did this morning. We thank you for the word that went forth. We trust and believe, God, that, that you worked in people's hearts and in people's lives, Lord. And we ask that, Lord, the word that was planted would continue to go forth with them, Lord, throughout the, the upcoming days and even weeks that would come. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in and through this body and in and through this house, Lord. And we truly know, God, that the best is yet to come, Lord. Tonight, we're asking that you would anoint us one more time, Lord, to deliver and preach the word, God. Lord, I pray that you would anoint our hearts. 
our ears to receive your word. Lord, let us grab a hold, Lord, of who we truly are in Christ. Let us grab a hold and let us see, Lord, what we have in you like we've never seen it before. Lord, make yourself real tonight. Lord, have your way and we will forever give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. So we have been traveling down uh, the road, the book of Galatians, if you will. And in it we see Paul taking the believer down the road of reestablishing the faith of Christ and him crucified. And you have to understand that Paul was doing all of this to make them aware of their error and really their impeding danger by leaving true doctrine. Again, Paul had established his church, had founded them upon the doctrine of justification by faith as well as telling them that the sanctification process that takes place in our lives after we get saved is the same way that it uh, that justification took place and it is by faith in Christ and Christ alone amen Paul was not gone but just a short little bit of time these Judaizers comes in begins to preach a false message begins to preach something totally contrary to what Paul had established with them and then we see here that they began to follow and practice and order their lives by the teachings of these Judaizers. So he was making them aware of their error. And correction has to be brought when people are going the wrong way. Amen. And so Paul was bringing correction to them because they were in Galatianism. That's where we get that term from, where we trust the Lord for our salvation, but we totally leave Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross the rest of our Christian journey but the impeding danger of doing that is one quite possibly losing their soul because if they're not careful they won't even look to the cross for their salvation but will believe that through what they're doing and their performance that they are able to stay safe so this is very dangerous for the believer to get off on the wrong road because if they continue upon that path Christ and what he's done at Calvary's cross becomes of no effect to them more and more and more. And self gets exalted more and more and more. And so we're barely taking a look and we're barely looking to the finished work of Calvary, but yet all eyes are upon us. And that's where many are in the church today. They look at me, it's all about me. And I can tell you that your standard of holiness is nowhere near his standard of holiness. In fact, true holiness is not in something you do, but it is in the person of Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm holy tonight, not because of things that I don't do or because of things I do do. It's that I'm holy because of who I am in, and I am in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you've been saved, and I believe we all are, and we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we are a holy people tonight, a righteous people, and we know it's nothing that we've done because we know we come so short of the glory of God but because we're in Christ and positionally we are locked in praise be to God he sees us as perfect he sees us as holy he sees us as righteous and we are kingdom ready amen, amen. and that's the greatest blessing that anyone could ever have tonight is knowing that they are justified by their faith amen so the foundation he had built them upon he was having to reiterate and and lay again all because of their acceptance of what these false teachers have been allowed to come in and to preach. And the sad part of all of this was that they did not even realize it. 
That's the sad part about it. And it is a tragedy that realized that they were they had so blind to themselves to see and they really thought they were doing right. And can I tell you, if you've ever had conversations with people that believe in sanctification by works, they really believe they're right. And they will even give you scripture to back up why they believe that you must now go on to keep the law. And they're blinded by the truth. It's because they are not willing to deny themselves and take up the cross and realize that it is a finished and complete work. Amen. And they have forgotten the simplicity of the gospel and they gravitate into that which is false. So Paul has said in no certain terms that there is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that what these Judaizers have brought in and have begun to teach to the people was that the gospel of Christ and his finished work was enough for salvation, but ultimately in order to be right with God, one had to keep the law in addition to what Christ has did. Now either we believe that it is a finished work and you rest in that, or else you're out trying to finish the work that Christ started. Christ finished the work, amen? He, was, he came and when asked when he was a young child, what are you doing? I'm about my father's business. And we see that he entered into the, his earthly ministry at the age of 30 years old. And Christ had fulfilled the law. He did all of that for you and for me who were lawbreakers. And he went to Calvary's cross and became the sin offering so that you and I did not have to die and go to hell. And when he cried, it is finished. He wasn't lying, folks. He meant what he said, it is finished, it's done, I've completed the work, now I can give up the ghost. They didn't take his life, he willingly laid it down. And so we either trust and we believe and we rest that he has finished the work, there's nothing else that I've got to do or that I must do to try to improve on that. It is a complete total perfect work but if we don't rest in that then our actions and how we're living our life says that i've now got to finish the work that christ started and my friend he finished the work he did it all and how well, how do you know he come up out of that grave that's how i know he resurrected on the third day and now he is seated on the right hand of the father so again, there's nothing that, that we have to do to improve and you can do to improve on perfection. He's done it all for us and he does not expect you or I to try and do anything else to gain his favor or merit. Hear me, those words are important. He does not expect you or I to do anything to try to gain favor or to gain merit. And when we start talking about the finished work, bells and whistles start going off in a lot of people's minds thinking that we're preaching a message of grace, that we can live any old kind of way that we want to, and God's grace covers it all. And that is not what we preach and what we teach. We now say that his grace has been given unto us so that now we can live for the Lord, amen? So that we now can live our lives as how he would have us to be. But to gain merit and to gain favor, there's nothing you can do. Let me say that again. There is nothing that you and I can do tonight to gain more of his favor or to gain anything from him. God is not on a works reward kind of a program. 
You know, you go to these stores, and if you spend so much money, you get points. And after so many points, what are they called? Reward points, I believe. And then you can cash them in if you have enough to be able to receive a free gift. And this is how we, the church, have become with the Lord. We think that if we do enough stuff, we can cash them in for a big reward. And this is exactly how we live our lives with the Lord. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. There's nothing you can do to gain any favor or any merit. You've got it all because you're in Christ Jesus. Amen. You received the total benefit package the day that you said yes to him. You didn't have to go on like jobs and, and do 25 or 30 years before you received that retirement program. Oh, God, he gave it to you the day that you said yes. That meant victory was yours, healing was yours, deliverance was yours, everything was yours. The moment right then and there that you said yes. So to the one that got saved two minutes ago has the same access of the benefit package that the one who's been saved for 50 years. Because it's not based off of a brownie point system. It's based off of who we are in and we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Say we have accepted him, and now we are the apple of God's eye. And he's pleased with you on that principle and that principle alone. On the fact of faith and faith alone. It's not because of performance of works that you and I could ever do in our lives that will cause him to love us more. And we do this, the church as a whole, we think well, if I do this, he'll love me more. A child, there's nothing that our children could do that can make us love them anymore because they are our children. It doesn't matter. Listen, we are to read. We are to pray. We should assemble. We should do all of these things. But doing these things will not cause the Lord to love you any more than he already does. You have accepted his provision. And because you've accepted his provision, he is now pleased with you. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But here we are on our journey with the Lord, setting out to do works upon works upon works upon works, thinking all of this pleases the Lord. And the works doesn't please him. Are we to do good works? Yes, He's not, he has saved you to now do good works, and you do these good works. In fact, it's not you who's doing them, it's the Christ that's inside of you that's doing them. Do you realize that the things that you are doing for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God, that as a sinner you would have never done? When I was a sinner, I sure didn't think about standing up here proclaiming the word of God. I sure wasn't out trying to witness to people. I sure wasn't out doing good things for people. I sure wasn't out trying to pray for people. I was my own God. I was in control of me. So why do I do all of these things now? Because of the Christ that's inside of me. It's not me that's living anymore. It's him that's living in me. And because he's living in me, he can now live through me. So the people that you come in contact with day in and day out that sees all of these good works, hey, hey, he said let them see them so that the Father can be glorified. Not you. It's because of Jesus Christ who has saved you, pulled you out of the miry clay of sin, pulled you out of all of that filth and junk that you was in, set your feet upon the rock to say, and now says, I'm going to use them to further my kingdom. Yeah, it's all him and none of us. Amen. So when you trust Christ and, and you anchor your faith in his finished work, then you're trusting and you're holding to the provision and plan of God. 
you're recognizing his wisdom and you say that it is the only avenue and recourse that you've got to be right with him so we can either trust this plan or we don't trust this plan. And I can tell you that no other plan will work because no other plan satisfies the demands of the broken law except Christ becoming man's substitute and suffering the penalty for our sin. Not three plans, it's not two plans. It's one plan, one plan alone. And when we begin to add works into this plan of salvation in order to maintain our salvation, in order to be right with God, in order for us to be changed, to be cleaned up, we are nullifying his grace that wants to work in our hearts and lives. Going back to chapter 2, Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't want to frustrate the grace, the Holy Spirit, from doing what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit lives within inside of us. The same Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you and I tonight. And we forget this. But Lord, this needs to be ingrained in our minds that you've got God, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you who's doing all of these things and he is there to do the work. But if we place our faith in ourselves and we place our, place our faith in doing the things, we're frustrating. And if you think of frustration, it's like, ah, why won't they get it? We're hindering his grace from working in our the way he wants to well how do i let his grace flow and work without interruption by ever exhibiting faith that's all he requires out of you and i just look to me it's so simple trust in me look to me and what i have done for you each and every single day and watch me do the work now that needs to be done i believe that we can all agree tonight there's work that needs to be done in our lives I would dare, I hope nobody thinks that they're perfect and got it all together. So the things that needs to be done are to be done by the hand of the Holy Spirit, not by you and not by I, because we can never do it. Amen. It has to be done by him and by him alone. So Paul has spent time with these Galatians, and when he spoke of Christian theology, he no doubt spoke of the life of Abraham. See, when the doctrine of justification is proclaimed from a biblical standpoint, then one will talk of where it all originates from. When you talk about something, you've got to take it all the way back to where it originates. Amen? And justification by faith was not something new that Paul dreamed up in his mind. But it started long before Paul ever come along, all the way back to the first book of the Bible in Genesis 15, where we see that Abraham was justified by his faith. Amen? And so that's where it all originated from. So the Judaizers taught that in order to be blessed by God, you had to undergo the Genesis 17 experience of circumcision in order to truly be right with him. And that the circumcision was a sign of God's approval and signified an everlasting covenant. But what these Judaizers now did not realize was that the covenant was everlasting, but only in Christ. The covenant was everlasting, but now in Christ. Not by anything that we could do or that they could do. The circumcision now that is demanded is a spiritual work rather than an outward work. The Lord is not is looking for the circumcision of the heart. Not of anything that we can do, but the circumcision of the heart. The blessings of God are not predicated upon you and your performance, but the blessings of God that are upon you, and salvation being the greatest of all, is again because of the Christ that is within you. 
But we get so caught up in works and we think that our works merits us something. But again, the only work that he's concerned with and that he has placed his stamp of approval on is the work that was done by Christ on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. So if you want him to be satisfied with you, if you want him to be pleased with you, place your faith in what he stamped his approval on, which is the finished work of Calvary. Is it that simple? It's that simple. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that means the opposite of that, if you want to please God, is have faith. Now understand, it can't just be faith tossed around here and there, but it's got to be faith in the correct object because everybody's got faith. But not everybody's faith is in the correct object. And unless it's in the correct object, it will not be accepted by God and it will not please God. The only faith that God will accept and the only faith that God will be pleased with is your faith anchored. And I mean anchored, thrown out, steadfast in Christ and what he's done, not only for salvation, but also for the work that needs to be done each and every single day in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. First Peter 1, 18 through 21, the Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these times for you, who by him do believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. He did all of this so that your faith might be in God and what he has done. Amen. This salvation plan, this justification by faith, and that man can only be saved by faith, was not just some new thing that Paul and in fact it wasn't something that just really uh, was thought of when Abraham was alive this was foreordained before the foundations of the world way before man was ever created in eternity's past the Godhead realized what was going to take place and it was foreordained and was revealed right here in this time right before Paul wrote this for us so that we now could be saved, amen? So it was not formulated uh, by Paul's teachings or even in the book of Genesis, but was already foreordained uh, before the foundations of the world. So how God would justify man is, was, and will always be through redemption, amen? So the plan of salvation, the plan of one being right before God has always been it will never change. Not two ways, not five ways, but only one way. And so he didn't have a plan for the Old Testament people and then said, well, I'm going to come up with a new plan for the New Testament people. The faith that man was to have to be right with God was faith in the coming Redeemer in the Old Testament. And now we evidence faith that Christ has come and completed the work so that we might be saved of a past work. You see, they believed in what was to come. We now look back on what has already taken place. So the same way they were saved was by faith. The same way that we are saved, it is by faith. Looking to the greatest point of history when Christ died on Calvary's cross. Amen? So again, Christ became the sacrifice for our sin. 
to do what no other lamb could ever do. Because all of the other lambs that were slain was just a foreshadow of the greatest lamb that would be slain and consequently the last lamb that would ever have to be slain. So when Christ died and cried, it is finished, he accepted the sacrifice and now the very presence of Christ in the throne room of grace guarantees our, our uh, intercession. So you think about this, his very presence guarantees our constant intercession. Again, I said it, I think, a couple of weeks ago that, that we think that when we need something, Jesus reaches over to the Father's ear and says, hey, I need you to do this. No, 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 no. Listen, his very presence guarantees your, our intercession, amen? It guarantees uh, what he can do for us, him praying for us, if you will. Just his very presence guarantees that, and it is ongoing, it is constant, it never stops, okay? So the Judaizers was, was holding on to the law of Moses, and, and Paul said, oh no, let's go on further back. Let's go on further back than that, and let's go to Abraham. And he would do this to prove his point and what he had been saying to them thus far. So Paul was going to use the Scripture to validate what he was preaching. Amen? And we should be doing the same, using the Scripture to validate what we are saying. If you can't find Scripture to back it up, it don't need to be spoken. Amen? So he said here, and, and, and he would go on to say in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God. So even as I am telling you what to do and that you're justified by your faith, even as Abraham believed God. Genesis 15, 6 says, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for righteousness. You see, God had given Abraham a promise that he would have a son, and Abraham was worried. Because time had passed, it had not yet happened. And God looked at him and told him, look to the heavens and, and see if you can count the stars before, because that's exactly how many is going to come from you. And Abraham believed what God has spoken. And when he not only believed in what he spoke, but he also believed the ability of God to be able to perform this work of which he had promised. And because he believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. So Abraham was not justified on anything else but simple faith. And all of this, said all of this, and the reason why he brings this point out, because he wanted them to know, listen, he was justified by his faith way before the circumcision ever took place years later. So your whole theology is messed up, is basically what he's telling them. And he comes in and just, I know the Judaizers probably could not stand the Apostle Paul. Because he came in, but in love, but at the same time, he was not backing down from the word. And he says, oh, no, 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 you are wrong, and I've got the word to prove it. You want to talk about Abraham, you want to talk, let's take there. You want to go there, let's go there. Because Paul was, had a determination to defend this gospel as we too should have the same determination. So how then could the Judaizers insist that circumcision was necessary to being accepted by God? And this was the argument that Paul had, and this is our argument today. How can works, in addition to Calvary, be the means of true justification when God's method of justifying poor, sinful people has always been on the merit of faith alone? He doesn't have any respect to persons. He's not going to sit and require one to do something and not require the other one. It has always been on faith and faith alone. And so the wisdom of God's redemption plan is all we need 
and your and in your and your faith to be saved. So whether it is for a child or whether it's for an elderly person, whether the person's black, brown, yellow, blue, red, green, it doesn't matter whether rich or poor, all you need is faith which he has supplied to be saved. Amen. So Paul again says even as Abraham believed God and he received the righteousness demanded to be accepted by God and so too it is the same with us. So they thought, these Judaizers, these people here, thought that the natural descendants of Abraham were his children and was accepted by God and that only those of circumcision could truly be saved. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's not got anything to do with that. The heathen are being justified because they simply believe in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. So the true children of Abraham are those that have been circumcised in the heart. Amen. And so he goes on to also say that, that, that the circumcision that was done was just an outward show. And, and so it's the same way as now water baptism is an outward show of the covenant that God has made with man of what has taken place. Listen, water baptism or anything else has nothing to do with one standing with God. Abraham was not water baptized, but he was saved. Abraham didn't speak in tongues, but guess what? He was saved, amen, because you're justified by faith, singular. He didn't say, and something else. So all of these denominations and these theology preaching, it says you've got to also be water baptized. They are wrong, and they, are, they messed up. They've got to come back to the basics. You're saved by your faith and your faith alone. Should we go on to be water baptized? Absolutely. But it's got nothing to do with my standing with the Lord. My standing with the Lord is based simply upon my faith in Christ and in accepting what God has done for me. Amen? Should we go on to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But speaking all the tongues you want to, it ain't going to make you no more holier and no more saved than the moment that you say yes. There's far too many Pentecostals that find themselves thinking, oh, look at me, like a big S on their chest, that they're Superman now because they've been filled with the Spirit. And that's wonderful. But let's, let's be reminded of what this baptism is really all about and what it's for. It's to make you a better you, if you will. You know, to help you and to do service. Not to make you better than someone else. And definitely not meant for you to look down your nose upon somebody else either. We are all one, amen, because we have accepted Christ Jesus. He don't say, oh, these is my special people. No, no, you're special because you've accepted Christ and Christ alone, amen. And we have got to get back to this. And I say this, and again, we believe in the baptism. We are not demeaning the baptism. We pray for people. I have received. But again, if we start putting conditions upon this, we make people feel that they're not worthy enough. And the truth is, ain't none of us worthy of the blood of Jesus Christ. But because of His grace, because of His grace, because of His grace, we have been saved. Not because of anything we've done. And because you went on to receive, it is a separate work of grace again. Because you didn't deserve it. You can't deserve anything from the Lord. Amen. So justification by faith is the only reason that we can become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because when you said yes, the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you, sanctified you so that now you can inhabit. He don't dwell in an unclean temple, amen? That's right. People like to throw out that verse when they see something somebody's doing and say, well, they're not clean. The whole no, 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 no. The blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us. 
that because of that, he can dwell inside because your faith in Christ in Christ alone. Amen. See, the blood rids you of all of the junk. It rids you of all the mire. It rids you of all the sin. But praise be to God, it also rids you of the guilt. And that right there, my friend, is powerful. We concentrate. And yes, it rids us of our sin. It rids us of all of the mire and all of the junk. Yes, but it also, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, also takes away the guilt. There is now, therefore, no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. So I know that the enemy likes to beat us up a lot of times off of our past. So you've got to remind old Satan, I don't know who you're talking about. That was the old man. The person you're talking about now is the new man who's in Christ Jesus. You can throw that allegations out to the old person who died with Christ. But this one you're talking to now ain't guilty of all of that past stuff because you're now a new creature in Christ Jesus. So when man tries to come and condemn you and wants to bring up what was, you let him know that's exactly right. But that old man is dead, is buried, and it ain't coming back. The person you're talking to now is in Christ Jesus. I'm not guilty of all of those things. So you got to keep on stepping and come to me with something else. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 14 through 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God, amen? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit that's inside of you is in his presence is constantly assuring you, hey, you belong to God. The Holy Spirit is there to assure you and the fact that he dwells with inside bears witness with our spirit and lets us know you belong to God. You are mine, amen? amen. So faith is the only way that one can be a part of the family of God. You can't work your way in. You can't weasel your way in. It is by faith and faith alone. So works will not make you part of the bloodline but only faith in Christ and what he's done which now makes us children of God. So as children, You've got no more reason to fear. Don't fear wrath. Don't fear judgment because it was served on Christ for our sins. Amen. So you gave him all of your sins, and in return, you got the trade in of all trade ins. He gave you his perfection. And when he gave you perfection, that's when God said, All right, righteous, holy, innocent of all charges because Christ gave to you what you needed to be right with God. You gave him all of your junk. You gave him all of your sin. You had nothing to offer him. He gladly took it upon him and says, all right, now this is what I'm going to give you. And now God can say righteous, holy, perfect, son, daughter, because what Christ has given to you. Amen? So now that we have believed, we have not only received his righteousness, but as well you've received the spirit of adoption that grants us the right and the wonderful privilege and honor to cry, Abba, Father, and there is no greater blessing than when you say, Heavenly Father, and it ain't just vain words, but it comes deep within the heart, and it is true. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. See, a lot of people call him Father, and they're not truly, they're his child. But when you have really, truly received Christ Jesus, when you call him Father, you ain't lying. He is your Father, and you are his child. Amen. So Abraham believed God and seen the plan of God. And the Bible says he rejoiced by faith. 
And our rejoicing is by faith as well in what has already been done. He rejoiced by faith in what was going to take place. He saw all of this and, and put his faith and confidence in the coming Redeemer and what he would do regarding the redemption of man by dying. So upon Abraham, believing God, it was counted unto him again for righteousness. Now you've got to understand this word righteousness in the Greek means uh, logizomai. Sorry, I wasn't a Greek scholar. I can barely speak English. <laughs> I was on the phone with the lady at Domino's getting pizza the other day, uh, talking, uh, uh, ordering pizza for Jeremiah's birthday party. And no lie, she looked at me. She said, where in the world are you from? <laughs> well, just 30 minutes down the road, she thought I was from the deep, deep south of the way I was talking. <laughs> so that's why I say I can barely speak English. All right. So again, this word accounted. It, it, it means to impute or to lay to one's account. So this word actually has something to do with business terminology. Jan and, and uh, uh, um, Connie would know all about this as they work in, in this kind of business. And so it means to place it at someone's account. He believed God and, and his act of faith was credited to him, resulting in righteousness. So it carries the idea, if you will, that, that if your bank account is empty and your bank account was morally empty you were bankrupt you had nothing whatsoever you were on your way to hell but when you evidenced your faith in Christ and what he's done this spiritually speaking God wrote you a check and credited under your account of what it was needed to be in right standing with him here's a check a blank check and it would be as if I wrote a million dollars and everybody would be praying, Lord, let my name be on the pay too. <laughs> and I wrote your name on here, and you took it to the bank, and it was the pot. You did nothing for it. I said, don't take it, though, because it's going to bounce. <laughs> I don't have that many zeros. Might have a couple. But anyway, and you took it to the bank, and you deposited it there. You did nothing for it whatsoever, and it was credited. But once you made the transaction, and they would credit it, they would deposit what I gave to you and to your account and that's what happened when you said yes to Christ God spiritually speaking wrote a check and gave to you what you never could afford and it was deposited into your account which now says hey hey he's one of mine he is righteous Amen. not because you did anything you just simply believe and he wrote the check amen if you've ever seen the show or, or a movie when someone is being held hostage what do they do? They pick up the phone and they call and they say, unless you wire such and such amount of money, I'm going to kill this person and you'll never see them again. And that's the way it was with us. Satan had us in his clutches. We were on our way to a devil's hell. We were on our way to death. But yet God wired in what was needed to us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Satan had to release us because the debt of sin had been paid. Now you don't have to die, but you can live. It was wired in by how? Your faith in Christ and what he's done. He wired in the money into your account. And God says, all right, righteous now. He's my Satan. You've got to let him go. And Satan released you when you accepted Jesus. Amen. So how it must frustrate and really anger God, if you want to use that, when we ignore the cross and we try to do it all ourselves. Can you see now how it could frustrate the Lord? 
and even possibly anger him, if you want to use that word, when we try to do it after he has done all of the work, but yet we come in and we think, okay, God, you need me to also do such and such so that I can receive what it is that I need. Paul's argument was that the law had nothing to do with his standing because the law, guess what, didn't come to 400 years later after this which transpired with Abraham. Amen. He wanted them to see and wants us to see that what made him right with God as an uncircumcised pagan who had nothing to offer to God, which is just exactly what you and I have to offer him, which is nothing, again, was simple faith in Christ and Christ alone. So now justification by faith says it is a complete work, while justification by works... And even sanctification by works says that it is not complete work. Hence the word works. Justification by faith says it's a complete work. Justification by works or sanctification by works is now saying that it is not a complete work. Why not? By works. Because you're saying there's something else that I've got to do to clean myself up. There's something that is laid at my doorstep, if you will, that God expects me to do amen so we feel like there's something that we must do in order to be in good standing with the lord and we've got it all backwards see that's the sin nature that's within inside of us that makes us feel that hey there's something you can do see that's the trick and the deception of the enemy well the enemy would make oh yes he does because he will try everything that he can to shift your faith and your focus from Christ and what he has did at the cross. And he is cunning and he works and makes us think well if you'll do this you'll be in right standing with the Lord. That's the same nature at work that is deceiving you and making you think that there's something that you can do to contribute to this righteousness, to this holiness that you have in Christ Jesus. Romans 4, 4 and 5, now to him who works is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him who works not but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So works are fighting for a position while faith guarantees a position. Why? Because he's already fought to get you there. And there's too many people that are caught up in their walk with the Lord and living by the idea of doing i've been there on the treadmill of religion as summer puts it in the other church always running feeling like i've got to do something and i'm getting nowhere because you can work all day long and it's not going to make you more holy it's not going to make you more righteous and that's the way we do we live our lives always constant thinking what else must i do and it is turmoil and you will not enjoy your salvation by living that way because you feel like there's something else that I must do. And he wants us to rest in that. Get the idea, get that word of doing something out of your mind and rest in what he has done. Amen. See, the idea of doing something, it consumes the mind. And that is all they think about because they feel that they must produce righteousness. Hey, what did he say? Those who hunger and thirst that's all you need to do hunger and thirst for righteousness and guess what you shall be filled that's all you've got to do hunger and thirst he didn't say go out and do something to get it just hunger and thirst and i will fill you amen that's all he wants 
But what bothers me so much about the church is that we've lost our hunger. It's not even really a true hunger and a true thirst because they think there's something that they can do to acquire it. You can't do anything. Just hunger and just thirst for him and say, Lord, here I come. I'm empty. Fill me up. And he will each and every single day. Amen. So then the great question is, where does works come into play at then? And all of this great plan of salvation and justification by faith. Where does all this come in at? The works are now a byproduct of justification, which we, means that one has correct faith, and it will always accompany the believer who has accepted Christ. When you've truly accepted Christ, there will be works that now is a byproduct of what has taken place. You can't be saved and then say you're saved like that and not have anything manifested in your life that says, hey, there was a transaction that took place. I gave him all of my righteousness and holiness, but yet there's been no change in him. No, 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 no. That's not true salvation. True salvation will always be accompanied by works, by fruit. See, we've been called to be fruit inspectors, amen? We're, and again, there's too many people that are walking around as the fig tree. We know got a lot of leaves and they look beautiful. A lot of foolish just going through the motion. A lot of religious activity. Oh, I go to church once a week. I go to church three times a week. I pay my tithe. I go to prayer meeting. I read two chapters a day. Ain't none of that got one thing to do with your salvation. But you will do these things now. Because of what has taken place. And you're not doing them to gain something from the Lord. You're doing it because you've got something. Amen. And that something is Christ Jesus. So whereas before it was something that I've got to do. Now it is a desire that has been furnished by the Holy Spirit to read his word. To pray. To come to church. Not because I think I'm going to gain something. It's because I've got something. Amen. So there has to be a recognition that there is nothing, nothing that one can do to be in right standing with God. And that the right standing with God simply comes from him providing to you what is needed to be in right standing. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, I'm soon to close. The Judaizers claimed that the same position as Christians, but achieved and maintained it differently. They felt that, and then and, and there are many that feel that access to God. It's only afforded by those who keep the law. They feel that you can't talk to the Lord or that you don't have access to God if you are not keeping the law in totality, that somewhere along the line, he's going to turn a deaf ear to you. He ain't turning no deaf ear to me. Why would he do that? I'm his child. I can now crab Abba Father. And he goes, yes, my child. Trying to keep the law is not what gives us access unto the Father. Amen. So Paul says real children of God are those who have come by faith and by faith alone. I don't go before the Lord with any works or any merit whatsoever because if I do, I'm going to get rejected right then and there. I've got to come to him on the principle of faith and my faith anchored in Christ and him alone that has now guaranteed me and granted me access to the throne room of grace. Amen. It ain't throne room of judgment uh, uh the judgment was served on christ two thousand years ago it's not a throne room of condemnation there is now therefore no condemnation the guilt has been taken away but it is a throne room of grace that even when i messed up and played the role of a bonehead i don't have to come in thinking he's gonna kick me in the rear he's saying their arms wide open come to me with your sin and i will give to you the mercy and the grace that you need 
This throne room of grace is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never shut down. And all you've got to do is go. And, and, and the, the access that you get in, it's like the keypad. When Jeremiah was born, they couldn't, nobody could get past the door unless they had the password. They could push on the door. They could have done all that they wanted to, and they wouldn't have got in unless they had the password that we have provided. And once they gave the password, the door slung open wide, and they were able to come in and see, hey, when well, you're going to come into the throne room of grace, you come in with the key pass, the blood of Jesus, access granted, access granted. When well, you come to him in the blood of Jesus, access granted. But when you come in works, access denied. Because works will not get you what he has, it is only by the blood and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 5, 1 and 2, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is justifying peace and sanctifying peace. Justifying peace meaning, hey, my sins have been taken care of. They're covered. I am justified with God. But also now we have sanctifying peace that now is to work it out and lives every day through and by the role of the Holy Spirit and it can bring us that peace each and every single day, day by day and hour by hour by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only do you've got peace with God, and that's wonderful enough, but Paul comes in and says, hey, I've got ice cream to go on top of the cake too. You've only got peace with God. You've also got access to him. It would have been wonderful enough to know that I was safe from hell. But the fact that I can go before my Father in the name of Jesus and know that everything that I need is right there and that I can receive it by faith. That right there is the icing on top of the cake, amen? So in this sense, you can have your cake and your ice cream too, amen? So we as prisoners have been declared innocent by the judge who is God. We said nothing and we did nothing. And all because of the one who acted on our behalf, we are declared righteous. So Paul is bringing a conclusion by using the word therefore in this verse from the closing statements of chapter 4 that Abraham was strong in faith. He staggered not at the promises of God through faith and he was full persuaded that God would do what he said he would do. Amen. We've got to be fully persuaded tonight that we are justified because of what Christ has done 2,000 years ago. Amen. The problem is there's too many people that ain't fully persuaded. And that's why they feel that they've got to do works in order to be right with God. But I, I am fully persuaded that what he's done is all that it took for me to be saved tonight. I am persuaded and I want to get rooted and I want to get grounded more and more into that so that nothing can deter me. Nothing could pull me away from my faith anchored in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. So the law and any law that man can devise up is bad news for the sinner. It's bad news for the child of God because it gives us no hope. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is great news because it says that a man will do all the work for me. And that needs to be done. And that man is Jesus Christ. Amen. And upon believing in him, I am now looked at as a law keeper. Have never have sinned a day in my life before. If the covenant depended upon Abraham's faithfulness, I'm afraid there would have been no covenant. Does that Abraham doubt some? Didn't Abraham mess up some? Do we need to go back and remember what took place with Hagar? 
If your covenant relationship depended upon you, say it depended, some people put their faith in going to church. Have you ever missed a Sunday because you went on vacation? Well, if it depended upon that, you're out. If it depended upon you reading your Bible, well, you were just really tired, you got hung up at work, you come home and barely drank, you didn't read, oh, sorry, you're out. Or if it ever come to you going to the Lord in prayer, and we should do these things, but you miss one day, sorry, you're out. If it depended upon us and our faithfulness, we're in trouble. But it's because of what he has done. Listen, you should read, you should pray, you should come to church. But if I don't read my Bible tomorrow and I wait to Tuesday, I'm not going to be no less saved tomorrow because I didn't read. Because it's not based off of what I've done. It's based off of what he has done and our faith in that and that alone. Amen. You see, the blood, it saved Abel and Enoch and Noah. The blood saved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The blood saved Joseph and Moses. The blood saved Rahab, Gideon, and Samson. The blood saved David, Samuel, and Daniel. The blood saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The blood saved Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is found all throughout the Bible, and it was the blood, the blood, and the blood alone that saved them then, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us now amen so romans 1 16 17 says for i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ why am i not ashamed because it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone who believes to the jews first and also to the Greek. this salvation is granted and to any and everyone all they have to do is simply believe amen verse 9 tells us that the blessings of justification is attained by faith so the very they that he's speaking about so then they which be a faith is talking about you and it is talking about me amen the very title of faithful abraham that shows us that the most important thing about abraham was the fact that he chose the faith way of salvation rather than depending upon personal merit and upon good works because again salvation is not dependent upon our faithfulness for we fall so short but rather the faithfulness of god the last scripture philippians 4 4 Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. You see, many of you rejoice in simply because of the good things that come their way. But the reason why Paul said to rejoice in the Lord always is because we have been saved through what he did at Calvary's cross. And the very fact that we can have communion with God is enough to shout about and we can rejoice because he has done it all. He is now in me, and I am in him. And because of that, I can now say that I am blessed. Amen. That's why I can rejoice today forever. Because he's already done the work. He's going to continue to. He's doing the work now in me. And he's going to continue to do the work until the day that I step into glory. Amen. 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 Stand to your feet tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word tonight. God, we thank you so much for the help of your Holy Spirit that we've received. Lord, I'm so thankful. So thankful, God, that we can stand here tonight and to say that we have been saved. But, Lord, we recognize, God, we want to recognize you again tonight, that you and you alone, Lord God, it was your plan of salvation. It was your plan of redemption for us, Lord, that has, that has saved us from our sins. And so tonight, Lord, we rejoice in you. We don't rejoice in ourselves, Lord, but we rejoice in you and what you have done for us 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray, God, that, Lord, that this, this, this justification by faith, Lord, but just resound within our hearts, within our souls, day in and day out, God, that, Lord, we would truly realize what we have in Christ Jesus. Amen.
for it. I pray that, God, you would help us, Lord, to proclaim this gospel. Lord, that we would spread the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord. That we would tell that if they would just simply believe, they too can be saved. Lord, help us to continue to live our life the way that you have called us to live it. And it is by faith and faith alone. Lord, I pray that works would never creep in, God. But Lord, let us evaluate ourselves. Let us examine ourselves, Lord. And may we always be found of the faith. Father, we thank you again for tonight. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Just one quick announcement I forgot to make this morning. Uh, any and all that signed up to bring supplies uh, to donate for the Vacation Bible School. If you can, please have them here next Sunday uh, because, again, Vacation Bible School is less than two weeks away. And so that week of VBS, we will be getting things together here in the different rooms and sanctuaries. Be in prayer for it. Again, we were down there Friday night in Denver. It's fantastic. Uh, and it, I believe it's going to be a great thing. Your children will not be blessed, but I believe that they're going to be strengthened by the Lord. Invite, invite, invite. And pray, and pray, and pray for it. Amen. Prayer meeting Tuesday night at 7, Wednesday night, Bible study at 7. And we'll see you when we see you. We love each and every one of you. Amen.